How's it going? Okay, so if you're hearing this, you're probably like, what's going on? Why are you talking to me like this? Uh, well, so we, we, we went through a rebrand. We originally were, speaking of which, we're now Drunken Book Club. But I wanted to keep old episodes alive. So here are the episodes before the main update to Drunken Book Club. These are, you know, episodes that we did on a bunch of different books before we rebranded to Drunken Book Club. I keep referring to us as Drunken Book Club, but also reference speaking of which, which is the old podcast. So there we are. Also, our new socials for this are at DBC underscore pod for Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash Drunken Book Club. Definitely recommend checking it out. It's only a dollar a month, and you can tell us what books to read. All right, well, that's it. You guys enjoy the episode. Bye-bye. Hello, and welcome to Drunken Book Club. I'm your dashingly disgusting slug-like monster, Christopher the Rupal, joined with... What happens when you cross an Ewok and a Wookiee? Ah, a Wookock. I guess Wookock. so. I guess so. I don't know. What do you get when you cross an owl with a punchy cord? My ass. <laughs> Enough! But, uh, hey, <laughs> that's from Kung Pao, Under the Fist. It's been forever since I've seen I want to I see love... that again. It's a good movie. I have it on DVD. We can just watch it like that. We can watch it after while we're still kind of drunk. Yeah, that'd be fun. But we have to record two podcasts. And this is Drunken Book Club, if I haven't already said that. On this episode, I was the only one who read the book because it was a 400-pager. And I was like, Sam, you don't need to read this book. It's it's 400 pages. You don't have the time to read a book. Do you have time to read book? In theory, but not really. Yeah, exactly. And you're a faster reader, too. Yeah. But I read Star Wars Tales from Jabba's Palace, a collection of short stories taking a place in Jab- Jabba's Palace. And, uh, yeah. Trying out Sam's drink. Mm. Yeah, that's really, really heavy on the syrup. Yeah, that's why I was like, it should have been blended, but I didn't think to blend it. So I what did you pregame on, Han? I had a cider, mm-hmm. a hard cider with a bit of apple juice to make it sweeter. Yep. And then a bit of uh, cinnamon whiskey, like not even a full shot, but that was just to add the more cidery yeah, taste. Just, just get a little flavor. And then I'm currently on a margarita mix, a shot of tequila, like the half a thing of margarita mix, because it was only like this much, like a little. Yeah, bit there left. was barely any. That even half a cup. It was like yeah. it was like what's like a like quarter of a glass at tops. Yeah. So then I added tequila and margarita mix. But uh, you mean the uh, strawberry daiquiri mix? It's margarita daiquiri mix. Whatever. It's the same shit. Me 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 me. It literally says daiquiri slash margarita mix on the bottle. Okay. So get off my ass. I, you know, you just gotta, you gotta flatten it out then. Yeah, you, you thought you had a burp, but you did not. I dropped my phone. I, I want my brinker back. <laughs> uh, and I pre-gamed, I had a shot of 99 watermelon, or at least a shot glass worth, uh, you know, the bottle, shot bottle worth. I had two kinkies, if you remember those from last time, it's like a strawberry watermelon drink. Malt beverage, very tasty, very good, very makes me happy inside. I had a shot of blue curacao, and I took a drink of Sam's drink. <laughs> That's about it I've had for drinks. Uh, why are you trying to stab me with a knife that you... Can you name what game this came from, Sam? This little knife? Um... Who's, who's, <laughs> whose knife is it, Sam? <laughs> um, is it his... Yes, it, it's Krauser from Resident Evil 4's Knife. The fact that I don't remember. You don't know his name because you've never played the game. So, 
Okay, that's what's up. We gotta do that on a on a on a let's play. When I'm not as drunk. Obviously. Let's say what's the fun in that. But yes, um and I'm also after I took a quick break, I'm neuro nursing a whiskey cider which I, I i put cinnamon whiskey instead of regular whiskey because i like cinnamon whiskey with cider actually it's apple juice it's not even cider so if you go by the Ned flanders rule it's technically cider yeah yeah it's about to say it is uh brownie but it's not bubbly it doesn't necessarily have to be bubbly because <laughs> if it says if it's so i for this book i didn't write down all the, i didn't write like a little short essay like i normally do about each story i just took the the brief descriptions from wikipedia and I'm going to give my opinions on each one. Sam, if you're interested, I can explain the stories a little bit better because some of these are very brief, very non-spoiler ways of describing the stories. Mm -hmm. And also, most of the stories are connected and will share scenes with one another. That's that's something I like about this book, actually. Neat. Because not all the stories take place around the same time, but most of them take place around the last couple days of Jabba's life before he... Spoiler alert, if you've never seen Return of the Jedi... Go watch it. It's really good. And B, it's when Jabba, di it's when Jabba dies. Also, fuck him because he's a dick. Yep. Oh, 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 oh. Wookie nipple pinchy. Great, great uncle Jabba the Griffin. Raja Nabadoa gola wookie nipple pinchy. Never get over that from from uh, Family Guy. Alrighty. Also, before we even start, like we did with the Goosebumps one, I'm going to ask Sam what she thinks each one is about. And what character she thinks is the main character of the story. I will say, I did see your note for the first one, so I already know what that one's about. Yes, I, as if I said, I told you about it also. So the first one is a boy and his rain, a boy and his monster, the Rancor Keeper's Tale. Obviously, it's about the Rancor Keeper. Sam already knows, knows about it, but here's, here's the story. In zero BBY. I don't know what, what, what uh, desecrates BBY. Before Baby Yoda. <laughs> that would be... Actually, that wouldn't work because Baby Yoda... Would be 45 at this point. I hate that I, I know that. Because <laughs> what's it called? It, the, the Mandalorian takes place five years after the end of Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. And Baby Yoda, the child, is 50 years old at that point. So he'd be 45. I, I was just making that joke because that's what works. Beep beep. Uh, a large freighter starship crashes into the surface of the outer rim planet of Tatooine. The planet's native scavengers, Jawas, happened upon the wreckage immediately following the crash. When the leader of the Jawa clan discovers the soul, or that the sole survivor of the crash is a carnivorous beast known as a Rancor, he begins to make arrangements to sell the find to the only individual in the Dune Sea who, who could find entertainment with such a creature. The Hut crime lord, Jabba Dezivitiru. Jabba the Hut, yeah, I'm just gonna call him that. Can you pronounce that? Look how many eyes there are. Decidulic tear? Tear. That, that's the closest I got. A human Corellian named Malakili is brought to Tatooine to be the keeper of Jabba's Rancor. Malakili's unparalleled record as a beast handler makes him the prime choice for the job. Over the next few years, Malakili watches with pride as the Rancor devours many of the enemies of Jabba, whom are sent by the hut to the Rancor's pits. Malakili is overjoyed to have custody of Jabba's Rancor, but he resents the captivity of what he considers so magnificent a beast. Over time, he and the Rancor develop a certain ra report, rapport, rapport, which convinces Malakili that he must find a way to free the Rancor. To this end, he makes an agreement with Jabba's local rival, Lady Valerian, to transport both himself and the Rancor to a remote planet where they might live together, untroubled by others, fingering each other's buttholes. 
However, the date set for the escape fatefully coincides with the arrival of Luke Skywalker, who kills the creature, thereby upsetting Malachili's plans. That's just really sad. It's like, a very depressing ending. Because it's one of those, like, he, he just likes his pet, basically. He just liked that pet. He loved that rancor. Like. I was about to say, I mean, hell, if you watch the Return of the Jedi scene where Malachili, he's the he's the fat dude with the black hat hood thingy. Like the Middle Eastern, like, hat thing. Yeah. And no shirt on. <laughs> Who just goes up and is like, oh, no. And he hugs somebody when it dies, and he's all sad. I mean, I get why Luke killed him. Like, I don't. I'm not saying. I'm supposed to say it's survival, you know. Yeah, I'm not saying like it was a dick move. It's just sad because. Yeah, I was about to say this was a good one to start things off. You get to really know or get to really like Melakili and understand his heart being broken during Return of the Jedi. It's a sweet story. He goes from just caring for it to eventually planning on taking it off the planet. You know. Which, it, it's it's just nice of a lead-up, too, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy how this first story makes us betray the original movie and want us to see the Rancor beat Luke instead of Luke beat the Rancor. Or, my thing is, is that I would even be like, it's fine if like Luke, Luke just like fucking like somehow escapes. Yeah, instead without of killing. Yeah, without killing it. Kinda. But that wouldn't even happen, you know, with Jabba. True, but I'm just saying. If but like, could be I, I really like that, because it really shows how you expand on a universe. You show the duality of the universe and give sim- that gives sympathy for both sides, you know? Like, yeah, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, of course I want Luke to win. It's Luke fucking Skywalker. Yep. You know, we've seen his beginning beginning journeys of wanting to go to Tashi Station to buy some ca- power converters. But I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. I just want to go to Tashi Station and buy some power converters. Mm. Not without your license, little boy. And, and Uncle Ben spanks him. But yeah, I was about to say, you really want to see the... You don't want the Rancor to die. And you just want Malakili to be happy. You know, be like, oh, living on a happy planet. Yeah. Eating bugaboos. Uh, take him to... Take him to... What's it called? The Ewok planet. Um, God, what's that planet called? I'm going to lose my nerd cred for this one. I was about to say, I'm drunk. I don't, don't expect me to remember where the Ewoks are. The, the moon of Endor. There we go. Endor this, Sam. I shouldn't have given you my tiny knife. Yep, you can't have Jack Krauser's knife. Can I have his... Shank, shank, shank. No, you can't have the knife. Why can't I have the knife? You can't have the one-inch knife. Why can't I have the one-inch knife? You have to have a dick bigger than an inch. And I barely squeeze past that. One day. (laughs) Well, are you a bodybuilder now? (laughs) Maybe. Alright, the next one is Taster's Choice, The Tale of Jabba's Chef. what What do you think this one's about? Um... Probably him fucking resenting Jabba because he's a fucking bitch and cooking him food, but also being like, I want to spit in this food, but I feel like he'll know. <laughs> Fuck this dude. Uh, pretty close, pretty close, yeah. Porcellus, that's his name, Porcellus, is the head chef in Jabba's palace. Wisely, he avoids displeasing Jabba with food. He attempts, mon- uh, he attempts, main- he attempts maintain a low profile and humble kitchen. That's what it says. This is from Wikipedia. Don't be angry at me, guys. But he becomes distracted when he discovers two murders, including that of his assistant, Phlegman. Phlegman. Less focused on cooking, Porcellus makes a mistake that leads to his imprisonment. So, any, do you want to know any more about that story, or is that good enough for you? Um, no, that's good, unless it's really, like, There's up. No, this one's pretty... It's an interesting second story. It, it's got some pretty funny moments, because Porcellus misinterprets uh, uh, a word that Jabba says. I can't remember what it is. But he thinks that he's that Jabba thinks he's poisoning him because he got in, Jabba got indigestion. 
from one of his meals. So he thought he got uh, poisoned by him. But no, it, it turns out at the end, the word is cursed. He thinks that Porcellus is cursing him somehow. Even though it was just he got indigestion, which even if he cooked the food right, if he just ate it too fast or had too much food. Oh, 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 oh. Get some Pepto-Bismol. Oh, 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 oh. But yeah, I really don't have much to say about this one. It's pretty forgettable in all honesty. It's it's a pretty bare bones story of just a chef, and he he gets freaked out. It's not one of my favorites. It's one of those, I'd say it's one of the first stories you can just skip. It's really not that exciting. That's entertainment. So who do you think this one's about? I'm not, I'm not gonna say whose tale it is from now on. I just want to see who you think this this might be. Oh. Uh, and what it might be about. One of the dancers and how they got into. This is bullshit and how they want to try to get out. Uh, that's next story. Is this Max Rebo? This is not Max Rebo's. Um. The blue elephant. I don't know. You got pink elephants, don't you? <laughs> pink <laughs> elephants on parade, here they come, hippity hoppity. Did I ever tell you the story of, like, we had to play that in high school? Yes, but I, we can't tell it now because I've got, uh, nine, seven more pages to go of this. Okay. And we, we've barely just begun. Okay. Now, this is Salacious Crumb story. A Cal-Cal professor, a Cal-Arts professor, <laughs> Malvosh Blur, attempts to interview the notorious crime lord at Jabba the Hutt. Shalacious B. Crumb, yes, he has an middle initial, B, stands for badass, or no, bastard, bastard. Yeah, bastard works better. Appears and pretends to help Blur. Crumb tricks Blur into saying that Jabba lies like a gran. That's uh, one of those three-eyed aliens. Oh, okay. Uh, along the way to Jabba's palace. When the duo reach Jabba... Crumb explains that Blur had said that the hut lied like a gran. Jabba is tired of Crumb's idiotic jokes and takes the interview Blur set up. Once the professor asks how he can repay the crime lord, he tells Blur to make him laugh. When Blur tells the jut a joke he already he heard already, Jabba is not amused and feeds Cal Cal to the rancor. That sucks. It's pretty funny, honestly. This one's really actually pretty funny. See, you know what I'd do to make him laugh? Hmm. Punch salacious Crumb. Oh, he'd love that, but he's probably already seen that. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things that... He may have already seen it, but it might still crack him up. Yeah. Like, I was gonna say, you've seen, like, some of those videos on YouTube a million times, but it still makes you laugh. And they're great. Like, sugar posting. I love sugar posting. Sugar, do, 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 do. I'm just saying. Yeah, I really like this story, because, like, it doesn't really describe that... Melvish Blur, he's one of those academic assholes. Yeah. Like, he's one of those, like, I'm gonna get an interview. I'm so hoity-toity. Yeah. Oh, these backwater people are such dickweeds. Yeah. And, and it's just really fun, because no one in this story is likable. And that's what makes it so great. Like, Salacious Crumb is just being an asshole, talking in, like, three-word sentences, being like, <laughs> Do it, do it! That's, again, like... Lay like Cram! Lay like Cram! Just punch him. Just punch him. And this is one of the few that doesn't have any relations to the other stories, if I remember correctly. Like, there's no relations. Oh, okay. Uh, Salacious is just such a jerk ass. <laughs> That's hilarious that this scholar falls into falls into a trap, you know? Yeah. Like, does Blur think all the people in the real world are stupid or something? Well, that's how a lot of people think. I was yeah, going to say. a lot of those kinds of assholes. I've had a, I, I had to go through a training with a lot of people that just came out of college, and they're kind of that way of the, like, oh, if you didn't go to this college, you're dumb also my favorite part is you want to know why he wants to uh interview with jabba hmm. so he can get tenure i get that though because <laughs> professors are treated like shit until you get tenure yeah like i get it that's the most relatable thing so any any comments you want to know anything else you want to know about salacious crumb story not really unless it's like unless there's anything that really stuck out to you 
just just ask if you want to know anything hun don't don't i don't know i don't really think there's anything that i'm like dying to know on that one okay i do recommend that story if you do ever pick up this book so if you want a good laugh at least a time to mourn a time to dance what's this one about sam oh that's one of the dancers yes this is this is about one of the dancers this one's about ula the uh the twilight girl who dies in the movie very viciously uh ula and her companion dancer are taken from wildloth by bib fortuna Bib Fortuna is that, like, pale uh, Twilight guy with the gross, gross teeth. Yeah. The one that looks like he does meth. Yes, yes. The meth, the meth, uh, Twilight. Meth Twilight. Uh, Java's Mojo Domo, Major Domo promises them soft living at the famous Hut's Palace. However, upon arrival, Ula is dismayed to discover that Tatooine is a horridly hot and desert planet. A discovery alleviated only by her dreams of lush luxury at Java's Palace. Fortuna leaves the two dancers momentarily, during which absence they encounter Luke Skywalker, who warns them against serving Jabba. Ula's friend flees with Skywalker, but Ula herself remains, jealously thinking she can thus ensure Jabba's patronage for herself alone. However, once at the palace, Ula learns how mistaken she is. Fortunately for her, hope is renewed when she learns from C-3PO that Luke Skywalker is planning a rescue for another prisoner at the palace. Heartened anew, Ula accepts Jabba's demand for her to dance, vowing to herself that this shall be her greatest dance yet, before she falls into the bit. Yeah. Yep. It's a fucking amazing story, because, like, it starts off with, like, Ula meeting C-3PO and being like, I'm sad, because, you know, this is what I expected. This is was this was not what I was promised, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking dancing for a disgusting slug lord. <laughs> slug lord. That was what it was like in the White House. Mm, Sure. It, uh, I was about to say, maybe if it's an Eli Valeli drawing, yes, that's exactly what it is. But yeah, you know, and then like midway through the story, we see Ula's kind of journey to this place. How like Ryloth, Ryloth at this point in the, in the Star Wars universe is kind of just a shithole planet that like, like I don't, I don't want to describe it as like Chicago or something, but like it's like it's being used for its drug for its spices that are used as drugs. It's colonized. It's colon. It's being colonized. Yeah colonized the fuck you know out. and like a lot and bid fortuna really sold out his people to the empire and stuff like that because he he wants them to do better but he can't but he mistakes that that power by you know selling it to the wrong people yeah so and it really sucks for ula at the end like this is a really sad story and it really paints the picture for pariah it really does and it really shows how despicable bid fortuna is with how he handles his own kind like he's selling his own people to slavery yeah. To to and he knows they're gonna die. Like it's not like he's like oh they'll have nice lives. It's not like a little kid when you go oh Fluffy's gone to the farm upstate and the yeah. kid just thinks oh yeah no. there's a farm upstate where there's a bunch of like eighteen year old cats. Yeah, this one is a definite must read in my opinion. But it's it's got a like when you read about her story and then how she then you watch the movie and be like oh shit how she died you know because she was literally doing the dance to like end all dances. Yeah. At that point, when Jabba got so aroused, he just wanted to, you know, stick his tongue on her and be like, ah, ah, ah pizza the hut. <laughs> so. Let us pray. P-R-E-Y, not, uh, not hallelujah pray. What do you think this one's about? Let us pray. Um, Jabba the hut being a creep? None of these stories about Jabba, just um, for what it's worth. No, Jabba is not a main character in any of these stories. I, I guess it's just crumbs he is, kind of. For, Fortuna being a creep? Not yet, No. This is a this is about Jaquil, who is an assassin. He's a Wifid, which is like this um weird pig like 
race. Like it's not it's not those green pigs that you saw. It's a different one. Okay. I don't know how to really describe a Wiffid. They're they're just ugly. It's what Lady Valerian is, his rival. Uh Jaquil is an assassin and spy within Jabba's palace. His slow plot to kill Jabba is proceeding exactly as planned. He is bribing Flegman, the kitchen boy, to poison Jabba's food. All is good until Jaquil begins to get blackmailed. Someone knows about his plan, and Jaquil has already paid 10,000 credits to keep them silent. Now he must speed up his plan while trying to... Turn the page. Find the back blackmailer. Jaquil's plot completely crumbles when Flegman is murdered. Jaquil is left with one last chance to eliminate Jabba. And he fails. <laughs> Just say that. No, he does anyways. Yeah, he does. That's what he does. Jaquil doesn't. Jaquil survives to the end. But still, I'm just saying. Technically, you can still collect the bounty if he's dead. It is, yeah. I didn't kill him, but does it really matter? <laughs> I didn't do it. Close yeah. enough. That's what I said. This one's really forgettable. Like, I, I, one of my favorite things is that you do get to kind of see the love life of Lady Valerian because Jaquil is one of her lovers. And, like, he kind of. Jaquil gets kind of jealous of. Uh, because there's like another man when he calls her and he's like what, what's going on and he's like nothing go away it's just business stop it and it's just like damn she play uh she's got she wants to get that pussy stuffed all five of them <laughs> i like it was a stupid little mermaid comic <laughs> the eight vaginas maybe more eight seven vaginas okay thanks maybe more okay thanks Grimsby. Imagine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jaquil really isn't that interesting. And I found this one to be a slog to get through, honestly. It's it's very slow, very boring, if you ask me. It's 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 one of the forgettable ones. It's one of those ones that you can skip. I was kind of surprised he didn't kill Flegman. Flegman. No, oh, oh, you'll find out who kills Flegman later. I was about to say, there's a... It's there's auto-erotic asphyxiation. Close. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> It'd be funny if that was close. <laughs> There's no. This is from the ni- mid '90s. Sam, autoerotic asphyxiation got popular before that. <laughs> Shut up. S- sleight of hand. What is this one about, Sam? Sleight of hand. I would guess stealing because sleight of hand, or it could be magic tricks like illusionary. Yeah. Um, I don't know who it's about. Obviously, it's it's the tale of Mara Jade. Um, a character who would later on, uh, have sex with Luke Skywalker because she's his wife. (laughs) Uh, and it is not about magic tricks or anything like that. Following the Battle of Hoth, Mara Jade is sent by Emperor Palpatine to infiltrate Jabba the Hutt's palace on Tatooine. Disguised as the dancing girl Erica, spelt with an A, two A's, (laughs) in order to- Erica. No, not like that. (laughs) I meant one at the beginning, one at the end. (laughs) I stand by Shut up. Uh, in order to assassinate Luke Skywalker, which doesn't make sense when you think about it, if it's after the Battle of Hoth, because Luke doesn't go there until like years later. So, so it's just like go there. Yeah, I was well, about to say he's not here. Wait. Yeah, just wait. Just just wait your just bide your time. Yeah, I just realized how how stupid that is now that I think about it. It's like the Battle of Hoth and the the Jabba's palace thing. I want to say that's like a good almost year difference. Like, I want to say it's been quite some time. Also, you slobbered on me, I think. Sorry. It's okay, hon. It's okay. You're just slobbery like John uh, John Heater in the newest uh, Tremors movie. He, he, like, has this spittle of drool and it made me laugh so hard. When he was just, like, freaking out talking. Uh, where did I leave off here? Oh, yeah. However, Melina Karnas, a member of Jabba's secret security detail, suspects her of planning to assassinate the Hutt 
and attempts to arrest her. Jade turns the tables on Karnas by using the Force to cause Melina to shoot one of Jabba's Gamorrean guards. Jade flees down a tunnel and comes to a ventilation shaft of the Rancor pit. After fighting through three rows of guards, she is able to watch Luke kill the Rancor. She then gets a boner about it. No, she then enters the ventilation shaft of the Rancor pit using a force pike and uses the force to open the trap door and follow the crowd out to the sail barge. Though she begs Jabba to let her join him and others at the Dune Sea, a suspicious Jabba instead provides her with this landspeeder and instructs her to leave and never come back after she tried to use the force on him. Thus stymied in his attempt to fulfill her mission, she uh, Jade returns to Imperial Center and to a displeased Palpatine. Yep. This one really left me wanting more. Because, like, it was such an abrupt ending of just, like, oh, well, I guess I gotta go tell uh, the Palpatine... The Palpatine. The Palpatine. The Palpatine. That I failed, you know? It, it was just one of those ones that's, like... It, it made me want more. It's telling me to read the ending. Why do I need to read the ending on page 138? I have such a lady boner for him. It's so confusing. There, there's nothing like that. I don't know. I didn't read it. Okay, here we go. With a sigh, Mara returned her full attention to the desert landscape before her. She then she had, she had failed her ma- her first true failure since the emperor had designated her his hand. It hurt terribly, but was all but it was all right. She would make it all right. Skywalker might escape now, but he couldn't avoid her forever. Eventually, somewhere, she'd catch up with him, and then he would die. I don't know why I needed to read that, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, see, it sounds like that doesn't happen. It doesn't. No, they end up fucking, and they form baby. I didn't know that. I think they form baby in the extended universe. Don't quote me on that. I'm not, like, I don't know a lot about the extended universe, but I think he, he, I know he does have sex. Luke has sex. Luke on his gravestone, it cannot be put that he never got laid. Yep. He was he did not die a virgin. Overall, the action in this one is pretty good. And the and the chase scene with Jade kicking some guard ass is really it's very well described and very very awesome. Sounds really cool. Yep. Alright, the next one is And then there were some. What do you think this one's about? Um You use your context clues on this one, Sam. And then there were some. You do you know the story and then there were none? I've no I not not uh, no. At least not that I can think of while I'm drunk. <laughs> okay, the story of And Then There Were None is an Agatha Christie murder mystery. So it's the murder of Flagman, maybe? Uh, and a murder mystery about who killed... Who killed who? Who done it? It, it is a whodunit story about the Gamor- uh, Gamorian guard who is really fucking stupid, and it's okay. amazing. Gartog! <laughs> yes, his name is Gartog. Is a Gamorian guard in Jabba's palace. He is disappointed because he is always assigned to patrol the dark, dark dark, back hallways. Gartog is continuously looking for something important that will promote his status among the other guards. Now he has his chance. Gartog has happened upon three separate murders and sets out to find the killers. The method by which he draws his final conclusion is somewhat erroneous, but nonetheless it is accurate. He gets the murder mystery correct and it's amazing. Like, you don't find this out until, like, close to the end of the book, but you find out that Gartog is correct. Like, but he doesn't get... But he did, did it the wrong way, kind of thing. Oh, yeah, he was just like, I blame them because they're suspicious, pretty much. And it's amazing. This story is the funniest one of the... Bu- like, I said the Salacious Crumb one was funny. This one is hilarious. Like, Gartog is an incompetent idiot who's amazing. Like, it, it's so great. And, like... 
for most of the story, he's carrying around two dead bodies that are slowly rotten oh, this in is the heat. Oh, this is the one that you told me where he's like, did you kill this guy? Yeah, he just and goes up like, to people. And people are like, no, what the fuck? Yeah, it's so fucking funny. Like, if you can find a PDF of just that story, I recommend it. It is just so freaking funny. Like, that almost sounds like some Skyrim bullshit someone would do. Yeah, just be like, I'm gonna carry- It sounds like something Dylan would do. <laughs> yeah, just, where you have this corpse? No, he's just like, did you kill this man? No? What? Why are you carrying around a dead, rotting corpse? I made a did you kill him? It. No, he didn't. He no. Gartog did not do that. But Dylan did. Yes, yes, he did. But yeah, it's 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 fucking hilarious. And I'm gonna probably read some of the epilogues at the end. Gartog's epilogue is amazing, and it it it's too great. Old friends. What do you think old friends is about? Um, the Golden Girls get together and. Okay, B. <laughs> Arthur is the only canonically is the only can canon character in the Star Wars universe of the four. I don't know <laughs> otherwise. Stop. No, it's Mon's tale. Mon is that... You remember when we were watching the, the Return of the Jedi? Yeah. And I pointed out that guy with the giant head? Mm -hmm. Like, literally, that was, like, on the ground all the way up to, like, a Norman human height? Mm -hmm. That's what Mon is. He's, he's that okay. weird-looking thing. So Mon owns a life debt to Jabba the Hutt. To pay him back... To pay back the debt... Mon has formed in a, an allegiance with Jabba by writing out any plots against Jabba. Mon also gathers information and advises Jabba on certain matters. Such is the case when Mon gets a, an, an quirking, a quirking feeling about the Rebel Alliance members Jabba is holding prisoner. Mon warns Jabba not to execute the prisoners, but Jabba refuses, knowing that Jabba is making a fatal mistake. Evet Mon declares his debt paid and breaks his allegiance with Jabba and walks away. I was about to say, this one's another tragic tale, because Effetmon literally does owe his life to Jabba the Hutt. Like, Jabba actually saved, like, kept him alive in an early, like, in one of, the, in, one of in his backstory. I can't re exactly remember, because I'm a little drunk. But it, it's really funny, because Effetmon's just like, hey, don't fucking go to the sand dune. Let these people go so you can live. And Jabba's just like, oh, 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 wookie nipple pinchy. And just and he's like, you know what, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah, and he's just like, all right, you're not going to listen to me. I'm trying to fucking keep you alive, and bam, I'm gone. And, like, one of the most heartbreaking things is, like, Jabba's like, oh, you only stuck around because of the debt you owed me? I thought we were actually friends. And, then, like, what's it called? And, like, Effetmon's like, we are friends. That's why I'm telling you this. And it's like, damn. Like, it's a really good story of just friendship going there, you know? Of just, like, Effet... He just wanted to protect Jabba. Yeah. Not out of any life debt or anything, but because he's his friend. Yeah, like if I were to be like, hey, don't walk into traffic, you'd die. I, I mean, it's not that simple, Sam. But I'm just saying in the sense of like, don't do the thing. And then you're like, oh. Do the thing. I'm going to do it. I'm, right. I'm fucking Chris. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, I can. Shank, 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 shank. Oh, wait, I don't have my tiny knife. Shank, 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 shank. I'm dead. That stings. That stings slightly. <laughs> I'm giving you an acupuncture. No, you're getting, like, the world's worst tattoo. That, too. Goat grass is the next one. What is goat grass about? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, people getting high? <laughs> Goats getting high? It is, is a, it's about Reese, the three-eyed uh, alien mm -hmm. with, the, with the weird eye stalks. Mm -hmm. Reese plans to kill Jabba the Hutt by destroying Jabba's sail barge. Reese, Re, I'm just going to call him Reese. It's R-E-E. Dash Y E E S. I'm just gonna call him Reese. 
has worked with the Galactic Empire to plan the attack. The Empire has provided Reese with the bomb and detonation link. However, his only way of communicating with the Empire has been through Reese, Reese's new accomplice. Uh, this suddenly, this supposed alley ends up being more than Reese's bargain for. Man, I don't think I've ever said Reese's name more than that. I barely remember what happened in this one, in all honesty. It's really fucking forgettable. I think he dies at the end? That's, that's all I remember. I think he dies. Okay. And goat grass refers to his home planet, where that's like the, the like, it's a grass field. It's, yeah. It's the grass that's there, you know? The hills are alive with the sound of music. <laughs> yes. That's about to say, he's kind of goat looking. <laughs> Alright, the next one. And the band played on. What's this one about? Is that the Max Rebo? This is the Max Rebo story. This one is amazing. Uh, Ever Orbis and his galactic jizz whalers. <laughs> That's what they're called, people. Don't don't fucking talk shit. Uh, let me restart that. Ever Orbis and his galactic jizz whalers. <laughs> I can't not laugh at jizz whaler. I'm just thinking of like a guy jerking off his hand and just throwing his uh... fucking his jizz everywhere. <laughs> When he has to make loud moans as he comes. Ah! That was me. <laughs> uh, came to Tatooine expecting to perform in Chow Moon Spaceport Cantina. That's the in Emperor's Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> no, in um, uh, A New Hope, the place where Luke and uh, Obi Wan are trying to find someone to take them off the to go to Alderaan or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you hear the and that's also Jizz playing. Yep. Yep, just jizz. Didn't I give you a jizz shirt at one point? I do have a jizz shirt. Your parents gave me a jizz shirt. I gave you an I'm in the band jizz shirt. I thought it was your parents who got it for me. No, it was an anniversary present. Okay, well I still have it. It's it's still in the closet. Baby. However, on their way to the cantina, they are attacked by Figurin Dan and his modal nodes. That's the band playing the dun 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 song. Yeah. Orbis is killed in the fight, allowing Max Rebo to take over the band after the cantina job busted. The new Max Rebo band is desperate for a job. Rebo soon accepts a lifetime contract to play in Jabba's Palace to the dismay of fellow band members, Sice Noodles. The only payment for the job is simply unlimited food. I love this one. It's it's amazing. <laughs> like, we get a good feeling of all the bandmates because it goes between their perspectives. You don't yeah. just get just Max. You don't just get Sai. You don't just get uh, Toots Mick Cool. I love that name so much. Toots McCool gets... It sounds like something like a second grade. Oh, sorry. Droopy McCool is his name. Droopy McCool. Toots. Did anyone name their, like, testicles that? (laughs) I don't know, Sam. (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of people who I know who know who Droopy McCool is. Comment comment on the thing if you named your testicles Droopy McCool. That's their name now, ain't it? Max, (laughs) Max is such a fat idiot. Sny is, is in it for herself and is just a greedy little bitch. And Droopy's just a slave who just wants his freedom, you know? It's like, I just want to play music, man. No, he doesn't want to play music. Oh. He doesn't want to be forced into Shit. playing music. He just wants his freedom. Damn. And, and the humor in this one is just, is the saving grace. By getting, by getting the perspective of all three bandmates, it's the best treat about the story. It, it's so freaking funny. Like, I I want to ca- talk more about it, but it's one of the best ones. I rec- I, sh- I give it a strong recommendation of reading. What do you want to bet that Droopy McCool's real name isn't that? Well, no, that's not his name. He got... He, he, Okay, in the story, his his slave name is used throughout. And he's like, I don't want to be called that anymore. Oh, okay. And then he says what his name is. And they're like, we can't pronounce that. Like, it's unpronounceable to them because he has, like, 
it's, it's like the whole like human tongue cannot do that kind of thing. Exactly. And and Sny is like, okay, what if I give you a really cool name? He's like, okay, go ahead. And she's like, you're Droopy McCool now. He's like, all right, that's cool. Because he doesn't know any better, you See, know? I think of his Django is when he first gets to dress himself. Yeah. <laughs> Django Unchained. Yeah, of like when it's like you, you dressed yourself. <laughs> you chose that outfit. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. Of the day's annoyances... What do you think of the day annoyances is about, Sam? I don't know. All right, it's a tale of Bib Fortuna. Okay, I was thinking it might be, but I wasn't sure. So the fact that Jabba still lives in an, is an annoyance to Bib Fortuna. To solve this problem, Bib Fortuna is somehow involved in every plot against Jabba. <laughs> As Jabba's major domo, Fortuna has everything set for him to make to take over Jabba's palace, no matter who kills the hut. However, because the transition of power will be rougher if another plot succeeds... Fortuna tries to plot his plot one step ahead. Yes, he plots his plot. In order to gain this advantage, Bib Fortuna has allied himself with the Biomar monks. Unknown to Fortuna, the monks have their own plans, and Jabba is not the only target. Targot. Targot. Bib Fortuna is a fucking asshole. <laughs> but I, I, like, he, he tries to keep alive uh, a fellow Twi'lek who got burned and horribly scarred. Because Jabba wants to see if the Rancor would spit up his corpse because he thinks it's disgusting. And Bib's like, no, you can't fucking kill this guy. This is my... This dude is literally how I'm going to get back onto Ryloth and survive. And then he's like... He he forces the death of him. Well, not really the death. He forces the brain out of him by the... the because the... You know, you remember in the beginning of Return of the Jedi when uh, C-3PO sees like that walking eye creature that's what a that's what a biomar monk is it's literally a brain inside a jar with legs walking eye oh look at this walking eye <laughs> and what's called so he gets the the other twilight in that like thing and it's horrifying because like the the biomar monks are able to maintain like a, a sense of calmness about it because they're trying to get a uh, better understanding of the universe and are one with themselves Versus this guy who's freaking out and screaming every time a Bib Fortuna visits him because he's like, "Oh my God, why did you do this? Why am I a brain in a jar?" So it's verse. It's the whole like consent thing of the the monks already know what's going on. Yeah, they're they're okay with it. Like he knew what was gonna happen, but at the same time, it's like, "Why the fuck did you do this? Why?" Just let me die. Yeah, and like Bib Fortuna, it just wants to see Jabba die so bad. And then I'm gonna spoil the ending for this. This one's a pretty good one. So if you actually do want to read it. Uh, skip ahead like a minute or so, but Bib Fortuna returns to the palace after Jabba's dies, and he gets trapped in there. And the monks take out his brain and put it inside a jar, <laughs> so he gets what he deserves at the end. It's it's pretty damn amazing. That's great. He's an asshole. Mm-hmm. I know. I like how I said in my notes, I dare not spoil it, but oh my god, you have to. It's just so great what happens to it to him. So this one's called the Great God Quay. What do you think the great god Quay is about? Um, the monks? It's not about the monks. Um. You don't have to keep guessing if you don't want to keep guessing. Max Rebo's penis. It is actually about his penis! You won! You won the prize! Right. Yes! You won the prize of a knife through your fucking hand, you cunt! You snorting there, Piggy? Oh, Miss Piggy joins me today! Shut up! Miss Piggy, why are you so mean to me? I'm just Grover the Frog! <laughs> she just keeps snorting. Sorry. Here, give me a kiss. Now calm me down. <laughs> whoop, whoop, yes. whoop. 
So the great god Quay, when their leader, Akbuz, is killed, the remaining five weak Quays in Jabba's palace attempt to find the killer. They consult their god, Quay, to discover the killer. The Quay does not reveal the killer, but informs the weak Quays that a bomb has been planted on the sail barge. With the barge departing for the great pit of Kirkoon, the weak Quays only have a few hours to find the bomb and disable it. So you want to know something fun about the Quay? Hmm. It's pretty much a magic eight ball. <laughs> it is amazing. They're literally being like, should we do this? And in the week, the Quay's like, ask me later. And they're like, should we do this? Yeah, you should probably do that. It's so the fucking The fucking funny. magic conch in Spongebob. It, it's pretty much the magic conch. Yeah. Praise the magic conch! Like, that, that is this, that alone just makes this such a hilarious story. Because at first you're like, oh, like. Bye. That's so funny. In my notes, in my notes, I said it reminds me of the Magic Conch episode of Spongebob. Because, <laughs> like, I was thinking when it was, like, part of their god, it's like, okay, cool, like, that's an interesting. Yeah. No, it's just shaking the Magic 8 ball. No, like, it's, yeah, they were pretty much Should just asking this? a box. Possibly. You know, and for what it's worth, they do find and disarm the bomb. Too bad, you know, Jabba still dies and so do all the weak way. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, that's. Like, that's not on them, though. They can only do so much. Like, it's amazing. Like, it literally is, like, every response is, like, make it so, or whatever like that. You know? Like, yeah. like it's it's the Magic Eight Ball. It's so fucking funny. A bad feeling. What do you think a bad feeling is about? Last few minutes of Flegman's life. It is not. Flegman sadly does not get a... Wait, Flegman already had his story. Not Flegman. No, I'm thinking of the other chef. Yeah, I was like... Wait, yeah, Flegman doesn't get a story. No one cares about Flegman. I weirdly care about him just because I haven't read the book. <laughs> I'll let you read the story, then. Uh, this is a story about EV-99, or for short, 99. Uh, EV-99 is the droid foreman in Jabba the Hutt's palace. It's the one that sounds like the, uh, uh, the, the, um, Dalek in the movie. It's that one. Uh, with this position, she is able to perform experiments on service droids without drawing unwanted attention. The ultimate goal of her experiments is to discover the state between the operational and non-operational status. Between on and off. She's literally just trying to find life and death, the meaning she, she's, of it. Jacob, Jacob's laddering it? Pretty much. She is exactly, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Minus the, you know, the fucking disturbing imagery that inspired Silent Hill. Yeah. God, I love that you know Silent, Jacob's Ladder. That was because of the, soci- the religion I know, of I know. movies. I didn't, even re- I didn't even watch it was the best part because that was the time my <laughs> laptop died. Yeah. I have it on Blu-ray. We gotta watch it. However, 99 will soon learn that there are some things that droids are not meant to know. Ooh. So this one has probably the most techno babble in all the stories because it literally is about a droid. Yeah. You know, it is from her perspective and it's fucking nuts. Like, this is a serial killer droid. Like, she just loves to torture these people for no... I'm not not for no reason. She does want to just be like, I'm torturing you so I can understand and feel pleasure from your pain. And it's so creepy. In some ways, that's worse. Yeah. Um... The other thing I was thinking of, like, with that, the line of, like, the tag you have of that, mm-hmm. is the Venture Brothers, the, I pissed it, pissed on God's eye and he blinked. <laughs> what? Remember when he gets turned into a caterpillar? No. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And he's like, this is why you shouldn't mess with super science. Pissing God's <laughs> eye and then he blinks. <laughs> and then he's turning into a caterpillar. Yeah, I was about to say, this one I don't want to spoil, because the ending is really great. And the beginning's pretty good as well, because it actually takes place on um, the Cloud City of, I forget what it's called, but, you know, the one that takes place in in Empire Strikes Back, where Lando's yeah. like, yo, I'm Lando, what's up, bitches, I'm Lando, gonna land my ship on your cunt, bitch. Okay, the next one is a free Quarren in the palace. 
A free quorum in the palace. What do you think this one's about? Streaking in the palace. It is not about streak. <laughs> Where do you get streaking from a free quorum? Free as in like, free as in naked in the palace. So he's just naked in the palace. This is about Tessic. <laughs> he's a squid face guy in the movie. Tessic has plans to take over Tatooine. He has bribed. He, ugh. He has bribed two Imperial officers to kill both Jabba the Hutt and the Imperial prefect Eugene Talmans during a raid on one of Jabba's warehouses. Afterwards, Tessic will install one of the officers as the new prefect, giving Tessic the strings controlling the Galactic Empire and Tatooine. Meanwhile, Tessic would sell the criminal aspects to Jabba's empire to his rival, Lady Valerian. Unfortunately for Tessic, his vast plan utterly collapsed at the last possible moment. I, I like Tessic, but his story feels very unimportant. Like, it literally, there's no consequences. You know that he's not going to kill Jabba. You know he's gonna fail at the end i hate to be the one who says it but the ending of this one is the same ending as bib fortuna's because he goes back to the palace and he has his brain removed by the beomar monks it, it makes more sense with the other one yeah with bib fortuna because he worked with them yeah but this this one's yeah. just disappointing it's it's one of the more disappointing ones because i like tessic as a character like he just wanted his freedom to go back to his planet he wanted to get off this freaking desert planet because like if he's out of water for too long he starts to get he, he literally is eczema He's eczema the creature. Cause he, I mean, or well, he's literally just going to crack and die because he's a fish, man. Moisturize him. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It really is. Tongue-tied. What do you think tongue-tied is about? Making out. It is not about making <laughs> out. It's about Bubbo, the, the little frog dog thing that's in his palace. You remember when I pointed it out to you? Oh, yeah. Bubbo, bub, Bubbo-ecular, like several cre- others, is enlightened by the Biomar monks after Jabba's death. Soon after his enlightenment, Bobo Lakar recounts the story of how he got his revenge on Reese to his long-term mentor, Evelo Nat- Natali. This one is very short and sweet to the points. Like, I-, I don't have really much, too much to say about it, but it's pretty funny. You know how Reese was like, I, I have a bomb, and, but I forgot to mention he doesn't, he lost the detonator. He couldn't find the detonator. It's because Bobo ate it. <laughs> and he's just like, I ate it, bitch. Good what Bobo. you gonna do about it? I just see him, like, looking at Reese, just being like... What you gonna do? What you gonna do? I'm gonna bite you. And who are you gonna tell? Who are you gonna tell? Who are you gonna tell? Because if you tell Jabba, you're in trouble. Yeah, I was about to say, Bubbo's Tale's funny, and it's only, like, six pages long. It's, it's worth a read because of how short it is. Out of the Closet. What do you think Out of the Closet about? And no, it's not about homosexuality. <laughs> of, uh, makeovers. Makeover, 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 makeover. Makeover, makeover. There's a clap on. I know, I just I just did one too. Now this one is the Assassin's Tale. Danic Jericho is behind the mysterious deaths of Akbos and Flegman. The dead bodies. The dead bodies you find. Yes. Uh, but these deaths are just to abide his vampire hunger until he is able to gorge on Han Solo's soup, as he calls it. Because he literally he looks like a human, but he's like got these two tentacle like Proboskis things. And literally they go into your nose and he like eats your brains like that. Yeah, imagine going through the nose just to grab into your brain. Oh, so it's like a Egyptian bowman. But, but you're alive still. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's not. But Jericho misses out on his opportunity when Jabba takes Solo to the Great Pit of Carcoon. Neither return to the palace from the trip. So this one's interesting because it's told from the pers- perspective of a, of, a vampi- of a vampiric-like addict. Because, like... He, he's literally like, I want to eat the fucking soup of Han Solo. Like, I need the brains of something, 
like that's worth my time and not these waste of time slaves that he has. Yeah. Like it's really creepy and unsettling, you know? But my biggest problem though is it's very anticlimactic. It literally ends and it's just like, oh, that was it? That, that was all? Like he doesn't actually die in this one. He literally is just like, I missed out on it. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I missed out on it. God damn it. And Why can't he go after like the monks? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're not as good tasting. Because, I mean, he would think that they're lesser, lesser life forms when you think about it. Yeah. Because what's it called? You want... I mean, when you compare Han Solo to a monk, you, you're getting... It's like rice to a full course meal. True. But still, at least, maybe that's how he survived was by slowly, you know. But he wants good stuff. He doesn't want wasted times. I'm just saying. That's why he doesn't die. All right. The next one is Shara and the Sarlacc. What do you think Shara and the Sarlacc is about? Um, is that the... What? You talking? Is that the, like, six-titted dancer? That is not the one about the six-titted dancer. <laughs> no, hers is actually the last story. No, this is a... Shara is the sister of the, of a skiff guard, the, the guys, the, the pilot of those airships. Mm-hmm. While on a trip to the Sarlacc, this guard recounts a story to Boba Fett about how Shara once was being chased by a group of Imperials when she fell into the great pit of Carcoon. However, his sister survives when she is thrown out of the pit. The skiff guard is not sure why the Sarlacc threw her back, but he thinks it might be that the Sarlacc will not eat anyone who does not deserve it. Hmm. After more thought, the skiff guard realizes that if this is the case, then everyone should be Sarlacc food. So, <clears throat> this one's very short. It's literally another six-pager. You know, it's 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 pretty simple. But it, the one thing I like about it is it's kind of told from, like, it's told from the it's told by it's a retelling of a story so it feels kind of like an urban legend story of like my friend of a friend you know this happened to him and i i personally like those kinds of stories i like those kinds of retellings so that's that's kind of one of the reasons why i like this one and also because it's like six pages long (laughs) why lie i like a short story a barve like that that's the next one a barve like that is it the last one or no there's two more or there's one more Um... A barve like that. I have no idea. And this is the tale of Boba Fett. So Boba Fett awakens inside the Sarlacc via the Sar- <laughs> via the Sarlacc. <laughs> he makes telepathic contact with the first of its victims, Sesujo. Sesujo. I don't know how to pronounce it. Whatever. A series of flashbacks ensues, showing some of the Sarlacc's other victims, including a pair of Corellians and a Jedi. Other flashbacks detail Boba Fett's delivery of the frozen Han Solo to Jabba. Inside the Sarlacc, for some time... Fed is immobilized, and his armor is heavily damaged by the creature's digestive system. He learns that Susejo can exert some control over the Sarlacc. He goads Susejo, making the Sarlacc contract around his jetpack. The resulting explosion frees the bounty hunter from the Sarlacc's grasp. He then fires concussion grenades into the wall of the beast, blowing a hole in in its interior. Boba Fett escapes the Sarlacc which, like him, is badly injured but still alive. A year later, Fett returns to the Sarlacc in Slave 2. Due to his prior contact with the Sarlacc, he can reestablish the telepathic connection with Susajo. He decides not to destroy the Sarlacc yet, but promises to return. Hmm. Yeah. It's actually a really well... Like, this one's... The last two stories and the first story are, like, some of the longest ones and also probably the best written of the bunch because they do have time to develop their characters and show off you know certain like it shows off different perspectives between the characters and stuff yeah like i like being able to hear like getting to understand why how a jedi got in there and died and being like shit well this is just natural you're killing me because i'm your food now i'm not angry but damn it (laughs) but i don't like it either exactly 
Um, the one thing I think of is uh, there's a Parks and Rec thing mm-hmm. where they're, I think they're going for what's known as a filibuster, where it's just you, you don't yield your time, you just keep fucking talking. Yeah, it's a filibuster. And Patton Oswalt's on there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, my... And it was basically his thing for episode seven. <laughs> and the first thing is Boba Fett escaping out of the Sarlacc pit. Pan down from the twin sons of Tatooine. Uh, we are now close on the mouth of the Sarlacc pit. After a beat, the gloved Mandalorian armor gauntlet of Boba Fett grabs onto the sand outside the Sarlacc pit. And the feared bounty hunter pulls himself from the maw of the sand beast. Okay, this is and exactly... Rea- and we realize... Yeah. <laughs> and then, I didn't watch the rest of it, but it's just that. Just a long, like, fanboy thing of what he... His fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, this one is pretty good in, in total. I, I like that the author actually got a little pissed off because the, the, the people behind the Star Wars publishing were like, wouldn't allow him how he wanted it originally. He wanted the Sarlacc to actually be a thinking being... That's like, hey, you know, I'm only keeping you alive because you have very interesting stories and stuff like that. And that's also another reason that does happen in the story, but it's through Susejo and not the Sarlacc itself. Yeah. So that's one thing that I didn't like or that he didn't like that he wasn't allowed to have an intelligent creature being like, oh, you're not getting out because I'm going to keep you here to tell me stories. Like, I really like that concept. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, the movie Tales from the Dark Side with the witch who's getting told stories. It's a really good movie. Go check it out. But uh, now we're at the last one, Skin Deep. What do you think this one's about, Sam? So that one's about the six-titted dancer. I know that one. Yes, it's about the six-titted dancers. Dancer. The story begins on the night after the Battle of the Great Pit of Carcoon. Tessic returns to Jabba's palace in a rush and reveals to the inhabitants of Jabba's demise, sending the palace into chaos. Yam Yarna Dial Gargan, yes, Kijian dancer, the six-titted chick, is effectively freed from her servitude now that Jabba is dead and, abil- and immediately takes this as an opportunity to flee to Mos Eisley and recover her children, who Jabba is currently keeping as prisoners in the Desigelic complex. Hmm. While recovering the necessary supplies to take the trip, Yarna meets Doylin. Doylin. I'm just going to call him Doylin. Doylin. Uh, a Gurunite huntsman currently living in the palace due to business with Jabba, needing to supply, needing a supply of cartridges of Hydran 3 that Jabba also had stored in the comics in order to replenish his breathing mass, Doylin agreed to act as Yarna's bodyguard in her journey. The unlikely pair successfully navigate their way out of Jabba's palace, with Doylin saving Yarna from both a rape attempt of by two of Jabba's guards. Jesus. And being attacked by the serial killer Danik Jericho, the vampire guy. Uh. Using a speeder, using a speeder, they return out into the Dune Sea. While engaging in conversation, Yar- Yarna and Doylin bond over their life stories. As they near Mos Eisley, Yarna and Doylin accidentally crash their speeder into a sandpit. Into a sandpit. Right next to a sleeping crate dragon, which is like this giant dragon monster. And he, uh, Jabba earlier is like, I want one of these to fight the Rancor. Because uh-huh. there's a, they're that deadly in step, and he wants to see who will win. And the Rancor Keeper's like, fuck you. Pretty much, that's why the Rancor Keeper's like, I don't want this to happen. Shit. <laughs> the beast nearly kills Yarna, but Doylin manages to slay it by firing a blaster shot into its sinus cavity. Doylin then extracts the pearls from its stomach, but as he is cutting off a piece of the crate's dragon's tail as a trophy, 
He is knocked out when its tail twitches reflexively. By now, Doylan has run out of Hydran 3 and is slowly dying. Yarna carries him to Mos Eisley and uses some of the jewels she has been saving in order to buy back her children to buy him more Hydran 3, saving his life. Doylan is grateful to Yarna for her selfless act, but Yarna herself is morose as she has lost her one chance at reclaiming her children. Fortunately, Doylan repays her with the Dragon Pearls, which they use to buy back Yarna's children as well as a spaceship to leave Tatooine. After some debate, the pair decide to go to Doylan's homeworld. This one's amazing. Like, That's I sweet. love this story. Like, it literally is just them being... Like, it, it. it's one of the few stories that ends with a happy ending. Because they end up falling in love. Because yeah. they... What's it called? Like, he's like, oh man. She, like, he... Like, she she realized... Because, like, most of them... Most of the people in the, in the palace would call her ugly and fat. But he referred to her, like, at first as being Lady Yarna. And never referred to her as being ugly or anything like that. And she... You know, took that as very respectful at first. And then, like, he wears a mask, obviously, because he's wearing a breathing apparatus. But when he does finally take it off to eat, uh, he's scarred from, like, a creature attack. And, like, he's very self-conscious about that. And he thinks that women, whenever they see it, aren't attracted to him. So he's very self-conscious about it. And, you know, being a six... Uh, Yarna comes from a, from a desert planet. And, like, she drinks a lot of water. And she gets bloated from it to help keep her alive, you know. Kind of camel kind of thing. Exactly. It's it, it's the, the hump in the back. Well, no, that's fat, not water. But it's it's store, but still the storing moisture. Yeah, she so she stores moisture so she can survive. And they end up falling in love throughout this journey, you know, by saving each other from the quiet dragon. And it's, it's a really sweet story. Oh. I was about to say it, it's in a happy it ends in a happy story. And uh, there's and a couple. Kids don't get to be slaves anymore. Yes, the kids don't get to be slaves anymore. Uh, there's actually a, an epilogue chapter of, like, a bunch of people's stories. I'm gonna try to just kind of talk really quick about them. Uh, with Yarna and Doylan, uh, they end up traveling around the world, and she does, uh, the Dance of Seventy Violet Fails at the wedding of Hansel and Leia Organa, and a designer of exotic lingerie recruits her as a model of her extravagant jeweled brassieres. Neat. Yep, and her kids actually become a swinging jizz trio. <laughs> so her kids become jizz, jizz uh, whalers. Uh, Sice Noodles dissolves her partnership with Max Rebo because, you know, Max is kind of fucking stupid. I get that. Yep. And she tries joining other bands and stuff, but she fails. And Max joins the Rebellion because they have the best food. Fucking. Drooby McCool vanished into the Dune Sea uh, after Jabba's... Jabba's death because he or he thought he heard his own people in the desert and people claim to hear him playing the flute in the distance on Tatooine. Hmm. Yep. Uh, Malakili, the Rancor Keeper, releases Porcellus the chef uh, from his cell and they both open a restaurant. Neat. Yep. They still uh, they still they still operate it in partnership and its fame has spread through most of the Outer Rim. Does it say what the name is? Uh, Crystal Moon. Okay. Yep, treasury to open the Crystal Moon restaurant. Yeah, that's what it's called. Gartog the Gamorrean guard spent the rest of his life wishing he could have hidden or uh, ridden on the sail barge's last voyage. However, when Ortug never came back to have him ground ground up for Jabba's Jabba food, he tagged along with a small group leaving the palace for Mos Eisley. He still carried his new friends over his shoulders and found that as they journeyed through the desert, the kitchen boy and the monk dried out into firm, lightweight mummies. With perpetual smiles. And, and Moss Eisley, he found gainful employment as an enforcer for smuggling operation and faithfully took his grinning friends everywhere he went. 
Jesus. That's <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the last one that's worth talking about. That was the book. Uh, are any of these? Did any of these interest you enough to want to read them, Sam? Honestly, like the last one. Mm-hmm. I know the first one was also very interesting. Yeah, the first one for sure. Um, the Gartog. The Gartog one, uh, and then there were some is amazing. Um, and there were a couple others I can't remember off the top of my head because yeah, I was about to say yeah, there's a lot of them. But yeah, there are some definite ones I want to check out. There's some that I'm like I, I feel like I can skip this. Yeah, there's a lot I can I can honestly admit that you can skip. But yeah, this was a really fun book to read. I'm glad I finally read it. <laughs> I do recommend this book to Star Wars fans out there. If you're a fan of Star Wars and haven't, and you're like, I don't know where to really start reading Star Wars books. The Tales from books, there's like three of them. There's the Tales from Mos Eisley, Tales of Bounty Hunters, and the Tales of Jabba's Palace. And I own all three. Unfortunately, this is the only one I've read. But I feel like they're short stories about random characters, so you don't feel like too alienated if you're like, I don't know what's going on. Because you'll be like, oh, okay, I know who this person is because I remember them from the background. Because most of these stories do include pictures of what they look like. So you're not like, uh... Who the fuck is Max Rebo? Yeah, who's Max Rebo? At, well, most people... I mean, yeah, you do get the picture. I opened that up pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say that was... That was very good luck right there. <laughs> so that was uh, Drunken Book Club this time. Thank you for joining us this time on Speaking of Which. It's been a while since we've recorded. I was to say, we recorded like three episodes in one night. So now I'm like... Wow, it's 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 been a while. It's been a while. No, no, do not <laughs> reference that. I'm sorry. Damn it. I'm sorry. Uh, you're hurting me. You hurt me when you do that. I'm sorry. You, you, you're telling me apart, Samantha. Oh, your your skin is cold. Why is my skin cold? You're not even touching my skin. I'm touching. Oh, you're touching my back fat. Got it. <laughs> so thank you for joining us this time on Speaking of Which. If you're not following us on the Facebook page or Twitter, you can find it on Speaking of Which Podcast on Facebook. Or SOW underscore podcast on Twitter. And hey, we're doing this all for free, but if you want, everything on our Patreon is a dollar. Patreon.com slash speaking of which. You can get this episode early, at earliest two days early on Wednesday. You get all the bonus content of getting to decide episodes for us. Getting to vote on episodes. I'm trying to think of what else there is. Uh, notes that I take. Yeah, I'll actually be posting my notes of this on the Patreon. There's so much stuff on the Patreon, and it's only a dollar, or you pay whatever you feel like we deserve. But a dollar is all we ask for, because there's really nothing else we've got. Yeah. You know? We really appreciate it if you do, but I understand if you don't. Uh, but, 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 but what else do we got? We, hey, next episode is episode 200. Get excited. Ooh. Get crunk. You can follow me at the underscore RuPaul on Twitter and Instagram. Also, if you're listening to this on iTunes... Give us a review. It really does help us out in the long run because it helps people find us. And also, if you're listening to us on a platform that allows you to subscribe, make sure to subscribe. Subscribe. You can also get notifications on Spotify for when new episodes come out now. Really? Yeah. Click the bell. <laughs> <laughs> Click that bell icon. It's not a bell. But... I know, it's not a bell. <laughs> I just wanted to make that dumb joke. Hit the button and ring the bell. Sam, where can we find you? On Twitter and Instagram at Berserker Rose. And you can always find our other friends of the podcast. We at Force Left Hander on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all that fun stuff. And you can also find our good pal Juan at Voice of J Rod on jrovo.com. Or you can check out his uh, Voice of J Rod on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Anything else we gotta say? Um, should, should we say what our next Drunken Book Club's gonna be? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to return to the format of reading a kid's book. 
And we've got one ready for you guys. We're going to read Santa Claus Washes His Balls. Okay, that's not what it's called. It's, it's called Santa Claus Doesn't... It's a Bailey School Kids book. If you remember Bailey School Kids, you're like, oh, those are the kids who hated homosexuals and would stare at them and point at them. Children got at homosexuals. Yeah, the it, series. Yeah, the series. This one definitely has that because it's a Santa Claus in weird shorts being like, I'm mopping. And it's called Santa Claus Doesn't Mop Fours. And I'm, I'm pretty excited for this one because, one, A, it's a little nostalgic for me. I, I used to read Bailey School Kids a lot. And B... I just want... I'm, I'm, I'm excited to read Bailey School because just in general because I want to see how badly written it is. <laughs> uh, anything else we need to say? Any... Oh, yeah. Also... Oh, wait. Forgot to mention on the Speaking of Which podcast, there is another podcast if you subscribe for $1. It's called But I Digress. It is a solo series. Maybe one day Sam will join me or someone else will join me. But it's literally me giving updates about the podcast and giving personal reviews on really current events and stuff like that so if you want to listen to me rant for about 30 minutes it's a dollar that's all you gotta pay is a buck you know what a buck can get you nothing that's what and you know what i'll buy that for a dollar got anything to say sam no what song should we end this on should we end on some jizz whalers that's what i was thinking we should end on one of the two songs from uh by max rebo uh, should we do the special edition Jedi Rock, or should we do the original one that sounds good? We're going to go with the one that actually sounds good, because I hate Jedi Rock. Yeah, I was thinking the, the, the one that sounds good. Yeah, the one that isn't... <laughs> with the fucking creepy CG 3D monster that's like... <laughs> that's not off, is it? No, it's not. It really that's isn't. the sad part. It's what's the sad part. I'm making fun of it, but that's exactly how it sounds. Like crap. Yep. George Lucas, you curled my childhood. I hate you. <sighs> All that to fuck over your ex-wife. <laughs> what? That's why there's so many cut. There's a lot of director's cuts because mm-hmm. she was the editor. She was the editor of the first movie. That was it. Hmm. But still. I was about to say that's, that's. It still sucks ass, George. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it sucks ass. I just say it's very unnecessary. That's what I would call it. It's unnecessary. Though I will admit. I do like the like the Ewok celebration music in the re-releases versus the yub nub dub dub I don't like that one as much as the because that one feels like more of a celebration versus yub nub. Be like the Ewoks. To quote Mission Hill. Oh, that's a Ruffles Roofies in the making, ain't it? Oh yeah. That and Oblongs. Yep. And Venture Bros. Yep. All those fun ones. So this is a song by Max Rebo. Thanks for joining us this week on Drunken Book Club, or this month on Drunken Book Club. See you guys next week, or next month, when we talk about fucking... Baby <laughs> school kids. Why why they gotta gawk at fucking gay people, like little assholes. This time it's a bear. Oh yeah, it's a big bear. Big bear, he's mighty tough. Big bear. Thank you.